0: The following information is intended for educational purposes only. It is not medical advice. The views expressed do not reflect those of this broadcaster. Should you choose to implement this information, please do so only with the assistance of a licensed medical professional. Neither the presenter nor this broadcaster assume any responsibility for any adverse effects or consequences that may result. You've heard of a plant-based diet. You've heard of a ketogenic or a keto diet, but what about a plant-based keto diet? And what about using that plant-based keto diet to fight cancer? It works according to the patients that Dr. David Jockers has seen, and he's about to give you a health awakening. Welcome to The Health Awakening. I'm your host, Scott Laird. Cancer cells are different than normal cells. They look different and they survive on different types of fuel. And cancer cells don't even need oxygen. Do you know that? They are the very picture of death. So how do you kill something that thrives on death? Well, you flood the body with life, that's how, specifically life-giving foods. Here to talk about which foods provide life and which foods snuff it out, please welcome a doctor of natural medicine, a functional nutritionist, and corrective care chiropractor, Dr. David Jochters. Dr. Jockers, welcome to The Health Awakening.
1: Thanks so much, Scott, great to be on
0: with you. You know, I wanted to have you on the show, we've had you on uh, previously, but I wanted to ask you something specific about this uh, this plant-based keto for cancer, because I read a very interesting article you had online, and uh, I want you to bring out from that, uh, what is the number one food that cancer cells love and that we should avoid?
1: Yeah, absolutely, well, cancer cells, they thrive on sugar, so they are what we call anaerobic, and so they don't need the presence of oxygen like you talked about. And they break down sugar and they produce a lot of metabolic waste and they, they literally, you know, survive on sugar. And so, you know, if we're going to prevent cancer or if we're going to heal cancer, one of the key strategies is, you know, reducing, significantly reducing the intake of sugar and starch. So now this uh, this brings
0: into an interesting uh, dichotomy here because some people use a vegan diet to overcome cancer and they do, but there may be a better way of doing that here. You could talk about a plant-based diet uh, being different than what someone would call a vegan diet you know, a plant exclusive diet. So so what's the difference there?
1: So a vegan diet is gonna be completely devoid of animal products, whereas a plant-based ketogenic diet like what, what I teach um, it's just it, it really means that plants are going to be the majority of the diet, right? So let's say eighty to maybe even ninety percent of the diet are going to be plant-based, utilizing certain animal products that provide high nutrient density, and are lower in particularly protein. And we can talk about that as we as we go on. Okay.
0: Now, that may be very interesting to some folks who have adopted a keto diet, because usually when people see keto, they see the, the complete uh, absence of carbs and uh, mostly protein and fat. But you're talking about you know, a, a lot of green foods that inherently have a lot of, the, uh, uh, have a lot of fiber, which you know, brings that carbohydrate count down to a low net carbs. Could you explain how yeah. that works?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when we look at carbs, we've got sugar, starch, and fiber, really the main uh, carbohydrates that we look at. Now, the ones that we digest and break down into glucose or sugar in our bloodstream are sugar and starch. Fiber is indigestible by our bodies. Our gut bacteria will break it down and they'll produce B vitamins and different nutrients from it. Uh, but basically, fiber is not counted. It's not going to elevate your blood sugar, and so you can consume high amounts of fiber. And fiber has great benefits for helping pull out toxic bile out of our system, helping support our microbiome, helping detoxify our body. So, uh, so getting a good amount of fiber when you're when you are when you have cancer or when you're trying to prevent cancer is a really good strategy. And plant foods really provide a great megadose of fiber. And we're looking for plant foods that are lower in sugar lower in starch. We call them the non-starchy vegetables. That's going to be things like broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, kale, collard greens, cucumbers, celery, things like that, and lots of herbs, right? We can use a a ton of different herbs that have cancer-protective qualities as well.
0: Right, and those are all what we call you know, phytonutrients. Phyto, of course, as you know, meaning uh, from a plant, and animal products will not have that. So I think folks listening to this will be really interested to see that you include a lot of uh, green plant foods in your keto diet. So uh, explain how a keto diet starves cancer cells. What's, what's the impact of ketones on cancer cells? How does that all work?
1: Absolutely. When we look at cancer cells, they thrive off of sugar and they also have more insulin receptors. And insulin is the hormone that takes sugar out of the bloodstream and puts it into the cells. So they're gonna grab up sugar when it's elevated in the bloodstream. So when we go on a ketogenic diet, it's a very, very low carbohydrate diet. And we teach the body to use fat as its primary fuel. And that means fat from our diet, so the fat that we're eating from things like avocados and coconut oil and things like that, but also our own body fat, to actually be good at using our body fat for fuel. When we do that, our blood sugar goes down and our insulin levels go down. When that happens, now the cancer cell is actually metabolically stressed. And that's really one of the big strategies we want to do is we want to stress or press that cancer cell okay and that's really what that ketogenic diet does now we also want that to be a lower protein ketogenic diet so it's a different goal when you're trying to you know heal from cancer or prevent cancer than if you're trying to pack on muscle right if you're trying to pack on muscle you're obviously going to want more protein but in this case we actually want to reduce cell division and more protein is going to e- increase the amount of cell division that takes place and people that have cancer or maybe have had it in the past they may have a certain genetic pathway called the mTOR, mammalian target of rapamycin mTOR pathway that might be hyperactive. And this is overstimulating cell reproduction. In fact, we know cancer cells are just basically a whole bunch of cells that have grown abnormally and they're reproducing significantly faster than your your normal cells. And so we want to shut down that pathway. And we do that by restricting carbohydrate, but then also restricting Protein as well, and that's where you know consuming a lot of plant-based foods, you're getting the fiber, and you can also obviously you want to get the fats for the calories, right? So you're you're combining these plant-based, you know, nutrient-dense, phytonutrient-rich, fiber-rich foods with healthy fats, and then just having a small amount of protein. All right. Well, we're talking about how to fight cancer with a plant-based ketogenic diet with Dr. David Jockers.
0: We'll be back with more from the Health Awakening. Stay with. And welcome back to The Health Awakening. Before the break, we were talking with our guest, Dr. David Jockers, about a plant-based keto diet. And uh, Dr. Jockers, we were talking about using this diet to fight cancer and a plant-based diet, but also including some animal products. And ironically, this kind of dovetails with uh, a very famous book called The China Study in which Dr. T. Colin Campbell found that high amounts of protein were causing cancer. And essentially, we're saying the same thing here, uh, but just using lower amounts of, of, uh, of protein. Is that right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I think for most individuals, we don't need to get rid of it altogether. We want to choose really nutrient-dense foods that we put in our body. And certain animal products like grass-fed organic animal products provide a tremendous amount of nutrient quality in that. And we want that, but we only want it in small small amounts because we don't want too much protein. And also the way that we prepare the meat as well we don't want to overcook it we're going to you know if you barbecue it you're going to you're going to create a lot of heterocyclic amines and polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons that are known carcinogens right so you got to be careful on how you prepare it prepare it properly um, and consume it in small quantities and also one big thing too is uh certain amino acids right so we know that there are certain amino acids particularly your branch chain amino acids which are known to help stimulate muscle growth. So so an athlete right, or somebody that's trying to grow muscle, they may want to supplement with branched-chain amino acids. But on the flip side, if you have a history of cancer, you're trying to prevent cancer or or heal from cancer, you want to avoid or consume very small quantities of those branched-chain amino acids. And and also one other amino acid, methionine, you don't want to consume a tremendous amount of that. Those tend to stimulate that mTOR pathway and the IGF-1 pathway. they, they tend to stimulate that more. Whereas certain amino acids like glycine, proline, things like that, things that we can get in like bone broth, for example. Bone broth is actually low in the branch chain amino acids and lower in methionine, but high in detoxifying amino acids. So our liver actually needs these amino acids to help detoxify. And we can get those in something like bone broth. So that would be like a better protein source for somebody that um. That has cancer. So, someone is typically taking a protein supplement and they're used to going to the gym, that kind of
0: thing, they get a cancer diagnosis. uh, Should they be looking on the label for things like BCAA? And if that has it in it, the branched chain amino acids, should they put it down?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you've had cancer in the past, I definitely wouldn't recommend supplementing with branched chain amino acids. And then, you know, one of the things like uh, in the China study talks a lot about dairy. So, dairy tends to be higher in branched chain amino acids, whey protein tends to be higher in branched-chain amino acids. That doesn't necessarily mean that's a terrible food, but if your goal is cancer prevention, cancer healing, it's not gonna be the right food for you, so you would want to avoid that. Um, And so, yeah, so you're you're gonna try to avoid those branched-chain amino acids, you know, if your goal is cancer prevention, cancer healing.
0: Now, not to stay too much on this topic, but I do wanna create a distinction for those who are maybe doing that type of thing with a plant-based uh,
1: protein supplement, something from uh, pea protein or rice protein. Yeah. Would that be okay or not? Well, they also do have branched-chain amino acids. So in small quantities, it's totally fine, right? If you keep your protein level, like typically the macronutrient uh, profile that I try to I try to follow with cancer patients is trying to get about somewhere around 75% of your calories From healthy fats and about 5 to 10% or so from carbohydrates, and then about 10 to 15% from protein. So if you're able to fall into that macronutrient profile, you're gonna do pretty well. And the way that you do that is you consume a lot of foods like um, you know, you, you steam up a whole bunch of broccoli, you put olive oil on that, herbs, you know, things like that. So you're consuming a lot of these kind of steamed vegetables. Um, You can make soups with coconut milk, for example, and curry and put a whole bunch of different vegetables, lemongrass, you know, kind of make it like a Thai soup, you know, things like that. So I actually have a whole program called the Cancer Cleanse Program where we have lots of recipes like this that are low in protein, high in healthy fats. And the fats give you satiety, right? That makes you feel satiated. So you're not hungry and having cravings. So you need those good calories and you can get them again from coconut, uh, nuts and seeds, avocados, olives, olive oil, and in, in in small quantities, grass-fed butter, which actually has a tremendous amount of fat-soluble nutrients like vitamin A, vitamin D, conjugated linoleic acid that's really, really healthy for you. That's really the only dairy product I recommend for cancer patients is the grass-fed butter. Okay. Uh, Would you recommend the ghee over, over the butter, the ghee being the clarified butter? Grass-fed butter is less than 1% protein, Ghee is even lower than that, if you can get lower than 1%, right? It's even lower than that. They've taken it all out. So people listening to this, I'm sure they're thinking of the uh, the typical pyramid,
0: uh, food pyramid that they see from the U.S. government and thinking, this doesn't jive with that. So what does a typical food pyramid look like when implementing this uh, plant-based keto diet?
1: Yeah, so you have your healthy fats at the bottom. What that means is basically you're going to get the most amount of calories from them right? So, I mean, one avocado is going to provide you with a tremendous amount of calories, healthy fats, you know, over 300 calories. And so you've got those at the bottom, your olives, your olive oil, nuts and seeds, um, your grass-fed butter, things like that, coconut oil, coconut milk, that's going to be at the bottom, okay? And then right above that is going to be all your vegetables, your non-starchy vegetables, okay? So we're, we're trying to avoid high amounts of starchy vegetables. That's going to be like carrots, sweet potatoes, things like that, um, and we're really sticking with the non-starchy vegetables. So again, that's your you know, cucumbers, your celery, broccoli, your whole cruciferous family, broccoli, bok choy, uh, kale, collard greens, cauliflower, right? You can make cauliflower actually into a mashed potatoes alternative, for example. You can actually make like a pizza crust out of cauliflower. There's so much you can do with it. Um, so you're doing that. And then right above that, and, and actually in that category, Um, with the vegetables. I also like low glycemic fruits. That's going to be lemons and limes, for example. Perhaps a small amount of berries. Berries are lower in sugar, very high in nutrient density, a lot of those polyphenols that are in there. So those are very good for the body. Um, Herbs. So basil, oregano, thyme, ginger, turmeric, parsley, Right. These things are amazing for the body, really help stimulate bioflow, improve liver detoxification. So we want to utilize a lot of those on our foods. And then small amounts of protein right above that. So that way, you know, we are getting some protein. We need some amino acids in order to help the liver function, in order to help build white blood cells. So we do want some, some healthy protein, whether it's small amount of meat, right? So maybe two to four ounces of, let's say, wild-caught salmon, or you might do like uh, you know. 15, 20 grams of collagen protein, which is, you know, or collagen peptides, which is lower in those branched chain amino acids, like I talked about, you know, so small quantities of meat uh, or like a collagen protein, collagen peptides, or you could do like a pea protein or something along those lines, hemp protein, and then, you know, uh, non-sugary sweeteners. So natural sweeteners that don't elevate your blood sugar, like stevia would be a good example or monk fruit. Okay. All right. Well, we are
0: talking about what a food pyramid looks like on a plant-based ketogenic diet, especially when you're looking at cancer. We'll be back with more from The Health Awakening. Stay with us. And welcome back to The Health Awakening. Before the break, we were talking with our guest, Dr. David Jockers, about a food pyramid, what that looks like when you are on a ketogenic diet, a plant-based ketogenic diet. And Dr. Jockers, at the very top of that, you were talking about uh, very small amounts of uh, non-sugary sweeteners. This is not the aspartames of the world and the sucralose, but we're talking about uh, stevia and monk fruit extract. And there's a third uh, darling on the scene these days, and that's erythritol. How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, so your sugar alcohols like erythritol, xylitol, things like that, they're not going to elevate your blood sugar. However, what I have seen is that for some individuals, they will cause a blood sugar or an insulin, particularly an insulin elevation. And the way that you know that is you may have cravings a few hours later. If you're consuming something on a ketogenic diet, you really— should be able to to significantly reduce hunger and cravings. I tell people all the time, I don't actually get hungry till I start eating, right? That's when my body says, oh, now I'm hungry, food's coming in. And so if something increases cravings, you'd want to avoid it. Also for some people, they get gas and bloating when when they consume sugar alcohols. So unless, you know, if you're not getting the cravings and you're not getting gas and bloating, then I think erythritol will be totally fine. And one other thing I want to talk about too is fermented foods, adding in things like sauerkraut, Pickles, kimchi, you know, they have unique compounds and enzymes that really help with digestion, uh, probiotics in there that help with uh, with your gut microbiome and very easily assimilated nutrients that are already pre-digested in there. So getting some fermented foods into your, your diet as well is really helpful. Okay, uh,
0: next question about uh, kind of a nutritional ketosis strategy like this, work in harmony with
1: cancer drugs or
0: do people need to uh, choose one or the other?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. And so when we're looking at taking care of somebody that has active cancer growing in their body, I think I think a ketogenic diet for cancer prevention can be very helpful. Um, but when we're looking at somebody that has active cancer, what we use is what's called a press pulse strategy. That means that we press the cancer metabolically through this sort of plant based ketogenic diet. And then we need oxidative therapies, therapies that really damage those cancer cells. And in the traditional model, that's going to be chemotherapy and radiation. In fact, research has actually shown that chemotherapy and radiation are significantly more effective when somebody's in a state of nutritional ketosis. And you can get into ketosis through following this sort of diet or also through fasting. Intermittent fasting and also um, extended fasting will help you get into ketosis. But, but the cancer, the, the chemotherapy will actually be more effective, so will the radiation, and you'll have significantly less side effects. So there's great benefits there. Now, if you, wanted, if you chose to want to avoid chemotherapy and radiation, which some people do, then you still need some sort of oxidative therapy. So in the natural world, you could try something like IV vitamin C. Vitamin C is actually strengthening for healthy cells, but toxic for cancer cells. Hyperbaric oxygen chamber. Oxygen is therapeutic for healthy cells, but toxic for cancer cells. IV ozone would be another example. And so some individuals will get these, ID, uh, these sorts of advanced therapies while they're in this state of nutritional ketosis and get great results. But you certainly can do chemotherapy and radiation. In fact, I truly believe everybody that's Um, going through chemotherapy and radiation should be applying some level of intermittent fasting and nutritional ketosis to get better benefits with less side effects. You know, uh, it's very interesting that
0: a lot of this is just logical. You know, people have always known that vitamin C helped them get over a cold. Well, if it helps you get over a cold, maybe massive amounts of it can help you get over something more serious than a cold. And, uh, you know, the oxygen oxygen, uh, hyperbaric chamber. Uh, That makes sense as well because as you mentioned in the beginning of the show, uh, cancer is anaerobic. It does not require oxygen to survive. Therefore, what would kill it? Oxygen.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. When you just pump a ton of oxygen that diffuses deep into those areas, the cancer cells can't handle it and they combust. So it's really toxic for them. Now, we used
0: to think that cancer just ran in the
1: family, so to speak. So, what does the real
0: science of it nowadays tell about uh, Epigenetics—that is, things that are beyond your genetics.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, epigenetics is basically how the environment influences how our genes express themselves. So, our body is this incredible, resilient, adaptive organism that's constantly adapting to the environment around it. It's trying to give us the best survival advantage. And so, the inputs we're bringing in—whether you know the, the level of stress we're under, um, how much sunlight we're getting, or artificial light—you know, being inside. Um, how we're sleeping. So light exposure is a really big, uh, and and sleep are really big players when it comes to the way our genes express themselves, and of course, the food that we're consuming. So food is really biological information. It's actually telling the genes what's happening. And this is why I really look at kind of like this hormonal uh, element of the way that we're eating. So when we're eating, like when we're eating several meals throughout the day, you know, we're kind of the way we were trained in the 90s, eat five, six meals a day. We're constantly stimulating insulin. and insulin tells the body to grow, 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 grow. We don't want that. Right. Maybe when we're a child, that's a good thing. Okay, but once we get to a certain age, we don't want to tell the body to constantly grow. So actually reducing the amount of meals and then reducing the carbohydrate intake can make a significant impact on telling the body not to be in this state of constant growth. And uh, this is how we impact the, the genes and how we can actually turn on positive genes that have to do with healing and repair. In fact, fasting right, or intermittent fasting, when we go, let's say, 16, 18 hours you know, overnight without eating— will actually increase something called autophagy, where the body, this is where the body starts to break down old, decaying cellular organelles, the different organs within the cell, like mitochondria, and starts to rebuild new, healthier ones. Interesting, very interesting stuff with Dr. David Jockers.
0: We'll be back with more from the Health Awakening. Stay with us. Hey, I'm Scott Laird, host of The Health Awakening Show. Listen, if you're hearing this podcast right now and thinking, I like what these guys are talking about, I want to get that. Well, come over to my website, LairdWellness.com because at LairdWellness.com, you can get all the best health products from The Health Awakening Show in one place. That's the whole point of my website. These products are the best you'll find anywhere. In fact, I use them myself. At LairdWellness.com, you can also watch The Health Awakening Show, read my blog, watch how-to videos, and lots more. So, if you hear something you like on today's podcast, you can get it right now at lairdwellness.com and use promo code podcast to save 10%. Thank you for joining us today on The Health Awakening. Our guest has been Dr. David Jockers. We are talking about a plant-based keto diet. And Dr. David Jockers, where can people find you online?
1: Yeah, you can find me on my website, drjockers.com. I'm also active on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and I've got a new book that just came out. It's called The Keto Metabolic Breakthrough, so you can check that out at bookstores near you.
0: Wonderful. All right, thank you for joining us again on The Health Awakening, and we'll see you next time. Look for us at healthawakening.tv. Thank you for joining us today on The Health Awakening. You can catch the replay of this episode and see our complete show archive at healthawakening.tv. For more information about our guests today and all they have to offer, please visit our website on the bottom of your screen. And please remember, the information you saw today is intended for educational purposes only. It is not medical advice, nor do the views expressed reflect those of this broadcaster. Should you choose to implement this information, please do so only with the assistance of a licensed medical professional. Neither the presenter nor this broadcaster assume any responsibility for any adverse effects or consequences that may result.